taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress. To the city point, giving him your best, nothing like the rest, passing every test. You know he's the one, yeah. Well, good morning and grace and peace, City Point. Yo, yo, it's so good to be with you this morning. I know some of you may have seen me before or my family, my children. My name is Terrence Gadsden. Um, I serve as the campus pastor and athletic chaplain at North Park University right here in Chicago in the Albany Park neighborhood. Um, and um, it is good to be here with you this morning. Grateful to bring the word of God with you this morning. And uh, last Last semester, uh, Pastor D came to North Park University in October and really blessed our campus community. And so it's been great to get to know him. And it's also been great to, um, to have this privilege today to share a little bit um, about what God is doing in our, in our midst. Amen? Amen. Well, just a little bit about me. Um, I've been living in Chicago and the Chicagoland area for 20 years now. Um, I was born and raised in New Jersey. Yes, I am an East Coast head. Um, I'm from a small town called Titton Falls. Titton Falls is approximately one hour and 26 minutes from the Bronx, New York, right on the Jersey Shore. And so my parents, though, are, are from South and North Carolina. They were part of the great migration of African Americans moving to um, the north from the south in the early 60s. And so my parents raised me and my three other siblings in the church, in the Christian faith, and where they taught us how to understand the scriptures and to reverence God and, and to uh, honor God with everything that I do. But I also grew up in the 90s. I grew up on hip hop and R&B. And I grew up in, I think, one of the most exciting times in hip hop music and culture and history. You know, living on the East Coast in the 90s is something that I will always remember, something that I will always remember because it was such an exciting time. It was a formative time, particularly in black music and culture, from TV shows to movies to fashion and also to spiritual formation. I always was intrigued at how the culture was teaching me something, but also the church and my faith was also teaching me something. And I felt that I always could learn from both of those environments. And so today, as we continue our series on kingdom state of mind, we're going to be looking at and talking about one of my favorite artists, hip-hop artists of all time, and that is Nazir Jones, a.k.a. Nas from Queensbridge. And we're going to be diving to one of his iconic, legendary albums, Illmatic, that was released in 1994. And one of those songs on, them al on those albums was called New York State of Mind. But before we dive into that, let us just pause for a second, center ourselves, and go before God with a word of prayer. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day that you've made and for the opportunity that you have given us to worship you. God, I pray that you would be with uh, those who are watching wherever they are, wherever they are located. God, would you meet them where they are and take them to where they need to be? 
I pray that we will be encouraged by your word and that we would be your people and your witnesses. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you didn't know, the Bronx, New York, is the birthplace of hip-hop music and culture. The five boroughs of New York, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, and Staten Island have produced some of the world's greatest hip-hop and R&B artists. In Queens alone, you have some historic and legendary artists such as Run DMC, Roxanne Shante, LL Cool J, Mob Deep, Nicki Minaj, Cool G Rap, 50 Cent, and Salt and Pepper, and many, many more. And of course, in 1994, a young emerging artist from Queensbridge by the name of Nas released an album that would change the landscape of hip hop music. You see, Illmatic is still considered to be one of the best and most influential hip hop albums of all times. Nas is a storyteller, and if Nas was a preacher, he would be considered a narrative preacher. Throughout his album, he tells a story about his life and his experiences living in Queens, and particularly in the Queensbridge Housing Project, one of the largest housing projects in the world. He's disrupting America's dominant ideology of race and using his music to challenge the idea of colorblindness in America's racial politics. The first track on his album is titled New York State of Mind. And Nas is, is using imagery and skills to paint a picture of his city. He's painting a picture of what's happening in his neighborhood all around him. He's being the CNN. <laughs> and reporting live and direct of what's happening. He shows the struggles of living in an urban area struck by violence, crime, and poverty. In the New York state of mind, Nas represents a critical view of New York. Nas doesn't always agree with the thug lifestyle that has become so popular in his hometown but he's extremely aware of his surroundings and how dangerous it is to live where he lives. He says, to have a New York state of mind, one must be extremely aware and cautious of the dangers that exist all around him. He says in one verse, I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. It's a metaphor that Nas uses to show that he is always alert, so that he's not an easy target, so he won't be robbed or even killed. He's intentionally alert to what's happening around him, peeping out moves that people are making, how people are standing, how people are, are communicating with each other, both good and bad. In many ways, to have a New York state of mind is to also represent this empire state of mind, this empire or this com empire complex or the way we think. You see, as Nas was living in this subculture, in this hip hop culture, he was also living un un underneath the dominant American culture. And in the American dominant culture, we see this empire complex. You see, the empire 
complex has the dynamics of individualism, consumerism, cynicism, exploitation, hostility, vengeance, violence, and militarism. These are the things that are happening around Nas and his environment, and he's experiencing them, and they're going on every single day. But the question is, so what does it mean to have a kingdom state of mind? What does it mean to have a kingdom state of mind and understanding what does that mean? Well, a kingdom implies a king, a rule, a people, a land, and a law. And Jesus reveals to his followers that he is the king. And he shares that the will of God for the people of God who want to be in his kingdom. In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew spends a lot of time talking about the kingdom and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. He mentions the word kingdom around 50 times in the text and how Jesus was the true king and the true Messiah. However, Jesus was not the type of king that the Jews had been accustomed to or even expected him to be. You see, they had been looking for a particular type of king. They were looking for like a warrior prince like King David, someone who was mighty in battle, someone who was strong. And Jesus didn't fit that description. Throughout the book of Matthew, he, he aims to show that all the prophecies that we see in the Old Testament pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. And if they are not able to recognize him, it was because they were looking for the wrong things. They missed the mark. The emphasis is on kingship, the kingship of Jesus. And that is echoed all throughout the gospel of Matthew. Matthew repeatedly uses the phrase, the kingdom of heaven. When he says the kingdom of heaven, this is the new Israel, a kingdom, not of a earthly location, but carried everywhere in the hearts of all believers. Wherever two or three gather for prayer, Christ would be with them and the kingdom would burst into life. You see, Matthew's gospel is not a narrow gospel. Nah, this kingdom is open to all people, to all walks of life, from all nations. And like Nas, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus drops one of his classic albums with the Beatitude and the Sermon on the Mount. I believe that Jesus was a true MC. I believe that Jesus is probably the dopest MC that we ever, ever have ever witnessed. And see, this Sermon on the Mount is a classic, classic album that I think we got to look at a little bit differently. I mean, he's got songs such as Salt and Light, Murder, The Law, Adultery, Divorce, Oaths, Eye for an Eye, Given to the Needy, Prayer, 
do not worry, and many, many more. I mean, Jesus flows with the Sermon on the Mount. He's got bars for days. But you know what? The Sermon on the Mount, what it teaches us, it teaches us that God's children are those who act like God. God's children are those who act like God, that, that, that take on the attributes of God. The teachings that we see in the Sermon on the, on the Mount are also referred to as ethics of the kingdom. They place a high level of emphasis on purity of the heart and to embody the standards of Christian righteousness. The kingdom of heaven was the central theme of Jesus' preaching ministry. Everywhere Jesus went, it was all about the kingdom. It was never about Jesus. It was never about himself. It was about the kingdom. The kingdom. Jesus met a particular level. When he talked about the kingdom, Jesus meant a particular level of human consciousness. Not just a place to which where Christians are destined to go after death. No. The kingdom of about is an upside down world. It's an upside down world, a way of thinking. In the Sermon on the Mount, it's, a, it's the idea that it is the, the poor who are blessed. The humble will receive the award. This kingdom does not fight its enemies, but instead forgives them. It's a kingdom intended for not the powerful or the rich, but for the poor and the outcasts and those who have no other supporter than God. That's the upside down kingdom where the first shall become last and the last shall become first. It's a totally different way of thinking when you think about the kingdom of God and what Jesus was, was talking about. A few texts today that we're going to dive into. First, Matthew chapter 6. This is a text that many of us have prayed before, the Lord's Prayer. But in this, in verse 10, Jesus taught us how to pray. He says this, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. What as it is in heaven. When Jesus says this, this is praying for a day when God will bring heaven to earth and to, he will bring his rule to this planet. God still has a plan for, for earth. God still has a plan for us today. But one day, God will reign again and we will rule with him in the future. When we pray and seek the kingdom of God, we are also praying for the rule and reign of the kingdom of God in our lives. This is when Jesus is in charge. When Jesus is in charge of our life, when Jesus is the king of our life, that's when we are seeking the kingdom. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you, he says in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, where he is was speaking of himself. When you are under, you and I are under Christ's lordship, when he is in control of our lives, things change. It's not about rules and regulations, but it's about righteousness and peace 
and joy and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. You know, when I was younger growing up, my mom would always have us read Matthew chapter 6. And she would always make sure that we were memorized. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Classic verse. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I didn't understand what that meant when I was growing up. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? And as I grew older in my faith, I realized basically that means to, to seek God in everything I do, to put God first place in everything I do. It was having a, a different mindset. It was having a, a kingdom state of mind, even when I was a younger, to think differently about seeking God in everything I did, every decision, every award I got, every idea I had to seek God first. You know, in order for us to have a, a kingdom state of mind, we first have to be kingdom people. We, we have to realize that we can't try to fit the kingdom into our church box. Some of us have church box where we do this only at church and we have this right here and this is our church life or whatever. But we have to realize that we cannot fit the kingdom into these little boxes. So when we do that, we create church people instead of kingdom people. And there's a big difference. Let, let, let me break it down for you. Church people have a, a reduced ministry vision, and they can't see past bound the categories of, of church ministry. For example, ushering or, or greeting or, or children's worker, right? Kingdom people have vision. Kingdom people have vision to think, to dream, to, to act outside of the box, to imagine something bigger. They, they, want the he, they want to heal the wounds of the people in their neighborhoods that are hurting. The wounds of the people that are hurting in their workplace and in their community. They want to help those who are fatherless or motherless or who are struggling with addictions or those who are struggling in, with their relationships or with their marriages. See, that's a, a kingdom person. Church people see the gospel in terms of good news after, about the afterlife. It's about how you can be sure that you're going to heaven when you die. It's about the individual. It's all about my salvation. It's all about what I, I got. I felt blessed. This is about me, my quiet time. It's all about me. That, that, that's church people. Kingdom life is about life with God. And uh, it's, about, it's about life in God and with God, both now and forever. Church people understand discipleship primarily about enjoying a closer relationship with God that grows the need for spiritual maturity that's focused on individualism. Kingdom people understand discipleship as the call to lose their life for Christ's sake so that they can participate in his family for his mission. You see, discipleship is not a destination it's a journey. And the reality is that all 
of us are on a journey. All of us are learning, we're growing, and we're unlearning some things. And if we ever have the mentality that, yo, we've arrived, that we got it, that we got the spiritual lock on everything, then, then we've missed the mark. If that was the case, then, then we would need God. But the true fact is that, yo, we are all grown. We're all learning. And our journey, it won't be complete until we get to glory, until we get to heaven. Kingdom people understand it's bigger than just individuals. It's about the collective. It's about the community. The, the kingdom is not a means to a, a bigger church. The church is a means to, distribute, to, to, to showing and demonstrating the kingdom. You know, I was thinking, what if we started thinking differently about the kingdom? What if we truly had a, a kingdom state of mind? Versus the American empire state of mind, where there's individual, instead of individualism, we focus on community. Instead of consumerism, we would focus on gratitude and being grateful for what we have. Instead of cynicism, we would have hope and trust that, that, that God's going to see us through. Instead of hostility, we would show hospitality to those that we see and that those we encounter each and every day. Instead of vengeance, what about forgiveness, that we would forgive those who trespass against us, that we would forgive in the same way that God has forgiven us when we messed up. Instead of violence, we would seek peace, the shalom of God, the peace of God. And instead of militarism, we would choose nonviolence. You see, that is what it means to have a kingdom state of mind. It's this upside down way of thinking because that's the way God is thinking. That's, that's the kingdom. And we may not understand it. Just like the disciples didn't always understand what Jesus was saying, but Jesus is, is introducing to us to a new paradigm, a new way of thinking. I believe that Jesus Christ lives and reigns in the hearts of all believers who, who confess that Jesus is Lord. Yet the kingdom of heaven will not truly be completed until Christ's return. But until then, we have to start changing the way we think, the way we start seeing the world, the way we see each other. The individuals who come to Christ and recognize that Christ is Lord, it's important for us to, to share, share community with them, to meet people where they are, to help them understand that they have a place, a seat at the kingdom at the table with God. The kingdom state of mind, a kingdom state of mind is truly about understanding that in the end, the truth is that Jesus calls people to believe in him. He calls people to follow him. He calls people to be his witnesses to new kingdom realities. 
as my good friend and former colleague used to say, Phil Jackson, it's not about churchianity, it's about Christianity. And Illmatic, one of the things I love about what Nas talks about, and he expresses in his, in, in his song, New York State of Mind, is this alertness, this awareness of what's happening around him, to be alert. And I believe to have a kingdom state of mind is to be alert to, to what's happening around us, to the needs of those who are around us, those who are hurting, those who are struggling, those who have questions, those who feel that they're outcasts, those who feel that they're a burden to society. I believe that we're called to be alert to those needs. And just the way that, in, in, in the same way that Christ came to earth and dwelt among us and chilled among us and his people, we must do the same thing. We must be alert and aware and not shaken to the things that we see, knowing that the spirit of God is with us, that the spirit of God lives in us so we don't have to fear, but to be alert to all that's happening, that's all around us. That's what it means to have a kingdom state of mind, a kingdom state of mind each and every day. You see, people, I, I believe that we're called to be that. We're called to be witnesses, to represent Christ in every aspect of our lives, to be that witness. I believe the world is waiting for us to be that witness, to represent Christ, to, to be that aroma. The question is, are we willing to be transformed? Are we willing to be transformed by God to allow God to take us to where we need to be, to have a kingdom state of mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship you. God, I pray that we are reminded today that you've called us to be your witnesses. Wherever we are located, wherever we are situated, you called us to be your witnesses. I pray that we would embody that, embody your love, your grace, your kindness, your mercy, your love to all those that we encounter with a kingdom state of mind. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.